welcome to Sunday Night Local Haven't Edition and uh, I hope that you are well and whether you're watching this live right now at 8pm on Sunday evening or whether you're catching up with us a little bit later on throughout the week or whenever you may have time to sit down and watch it. Maybe you were putting kids to bed at the time when this was on and you're now watching this later on in the week. Whether you're watching live or later on, uh, I'm just so glad that you would take the time to listen um, to what I want to share tonight and what I believe God has placed on my heart. Remember this is a half an hour gathering around the Word and just a time for us to be uh, together with our Bibles open and have your notepad and pen ready to just write down what God is going to communicate to you tonight. If you're watching via a laptop or your phone, don't forget to use the chat function just to engage with one another, to engage with the Word that has been shared, just share with us that you're on tonight, say hi, and uh, let's use that chat function to really have a full extent of what we can. Just while we're waiting for others to jump on, just another quick reminder about the prayer gathering that is happening at the beginning of October. There was a link that was sent out on the weekly email. There's also um, the opportunity to go to family.church and go to the event section and haven't section and uh, you can then sign up for our prayer gathering which is going to be a great opportunity to come together from 7.15pm uh, to 8pm on that Monday evening at the beginning of October. Right, we're going to dive into the Word of God tonight and uh, if you've got your Bible with you, turn it to Galatians chapter 5 and uh, hopefully you have your Word uh, ready right by you and uh, or maybe on your phone or whatever it might be but it's good for us to read these verses together. Galatians chapter 5 and we are of course speaking on the fruit of the Spirit which um, just as it was with faith as I've said over the last couple of weeks this is very timely specifically what we're going to look at tonight and next week as well I believe it's all timely but as we talk about joy and peace these are two things that right now as you look around in the world today are in short supply so I'm excited to see what God wants to communicate to us as we look at his word so uh, just to bring you up to speed if you haven't been watching the last couple of weeks, we've been explaining what the fruit of the Spirit is and really beginning to understand how it's brought about in our lives. And really the key thought that we keep going over is this thought that no spiritual fruit can be produced by human effort. Human effort cannot produce spiritual fruit in our life. That the fruit of the Spirit, which remember is the nature of God, the life of Christ in us through the God's Spirit, is displayed as we yield, as we surrender to the life of God with us on a daily basis. And from that we begin to display, you won't do it by trying harder. You won't be more patient by thinking, I've got to be more patient, I've got to be more patient. You won't be more loving by just trying as hard as you can to love and forgive people around you. You won't get self-control uh, through mental ascent. That may last for a moment, but there'll be a shelf life to it. We're understanding together that the fruit of the Spirit is displayed as we surrender to the Spirit of God within us. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Let's grab a drink of water. Galatians 5, verse 13, it says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Remember, that refers to the sinful state of human beings. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So last week we took a moment to look at the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is love and we talked about the agape kind of love. Remember this, that God not only loves us with agape love, he is agape love and that we can not only receive that love but we can display it to the world around us. Now I want to move on tonight to another aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit with nine aspects or nine characteristics if you like. And the next one in the order that Paul lists it that I want to look at tonight is joy. Now, before we dive into this, let's just rewind a couple of weeks. You may remember that in week one, we compared what Paul writes as the acts of the flesh, which is what is comes naturally to the sinful um, state, versus the fruit of the Spirit, which what is what comes when we surrender to the life of God now in us. And he compared a few different ones. Let's just go over some of those because I want us to see the big difference when it comes to joy. So he lists, for example, anger being one of the acts of the flesh. And it doesn't take a genius to work out that that is correct. But when you look around the world in which we live today, whether it be road rage or social media arguments, whatever it might be, we see anger in operation. But the fruit of the Spirit, the opposite side to that, the God part of that, is patience, kindness and goodness, gentleness. There's a big difference. The acts of the flesh, the Bible says, are sexual immorality, impurity, drunkenness, an uncontrolled life. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Again, a massive difference. The acts of the flesh are portrayed as selfish ambition, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and kindness. Huge difference between the life that is controlled by the flesh and the life that is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to joy, there's an opposite to that that's listed as the acts of the flesh. And one in particular uh, translation, the message paraphrase, terms it this way. That the flesh is characterized by frenzied and joyless grabs at happiness. I like that translation. I love the way that Eugene Peterson writes that, that it's frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. And I see that to be true because when I open up the newspaper or switch on the television or just talk to people, I see that this world could do with a whole lot more joy. And yet they're substituting it for this fake substitute called happiness, that everybody is seemingly in this rat race to be happy. And so they're trying to find happiness through things like a relationship, through a house, through their kids, through their car, through their employment, through their wage, through a title. Everybody is living in what the film termed the pursuit of happiness. So many people spending so much energy trying to find this thing called 
happiness. And the Bible said it produces this kind of frenzied lifestyle that ends up in joyless grabs for happiness. And what I know, and I believe that this is very apparent in these days that we find ourselves in, we always think that happiness, which as I said is a poor substitute for the real thing called joy, but we'll come on to that in just a moment. We always think that happiness is somewhere out there in our future. So when all this stuff is lined up in my life, then I will finally be happy. So we say things like, when I get that job, then I'll finally be happy. Or when I'm out of this job, then I'll finally be happy. When I meet that special someone, then I'll be happy. When he proposes or she commits, then I'll be happy. When we finally buy that house together, then I'll be happy. When we have kids, then I'll be happy. When the kids leave home, then I'll be happy. When I get that promotion, then I'll be happy. When I have this much in my bank account and earn this much, then I'll be happy. When 5pm comes and it's the weekend, then I'll be happy. When the holiday finally arrives, then I'll be happy. When I'm the other side of this, when I've lost this extra weight, you get the idea. When we reach that destination, then will be happy. And we're constantly living for this destination that's out there somewhere in the future at a time when we think that we'll finally be happy. And as I said, the Bible says it's frenzied and it's joyless and it can come at cost to marriages and to health and to careers and to families. And yet it's joyless. Why is that? Ever wondered why you that thing that you thought would finally bring you happiness didn't really fulfill you? Maybe, just maybe, it's because there's a big difference between what the world sees as happiness and what the Bible describes to be true joy. And I believe that this is so topical right now. I believe that this is a now word that we find ourselves studying tonight. Because, you know, this week the the Prime Minister made a statement and uh, said there were more restrictions and for possibly six months. And, you know, whatever you think of those restrictions, it was almost like there was a collective sigh across the nation. A sigh that said, okay, the next six months of our life is on pause. The next six months of our life is cancelled. The next six months, we just have to pause our joy. And we're going to see tonight that that's not true. Because our joy doesn't have to be dependent upon outward circumstances. That is not the case. See, tonight I want to say to you, no matter how tough life may be for you right now, and no doubt there's people watching this broadcast this evening and you are in tough situations in your life maybe because of covid maybe not because of covid for uh, any number of different reasons you find yourself in a tough situation but i want to say to you tonight you don't have to postpone your joy you don't have to wait until the spring as as was said over this past week in order to have joy i read newspaper columns this week where they said oh it's going to be a tough hard negative winter And I read those things and you know what my response was? No, you don't get to determine my joy. You don't get to determine my perspective. You don't get to determine my response. Yes, there may be difficult days. I don't believe that faith denies the reality of what's going on as we spoke about in the previous uh, session of Sunday Night Local. But that doesn't need to determine my joy and my response. No matter what the media may write, I get a choice whether I choose joy in this moment and so Paul writes to the church in Galatia and he says if you would let the spirit of God rule your life your will your mind and your emotions 
you'd begin to experience a sense of joy that is internal and not external. It's eternal and it's not temporary. It's a joy that doesn't come and go. It's a joy that is a complete, perfect, constant satisfaction that all is well because our God is in control. See, maybe the issue is that we spend all our life trying to find this happiness somewhere out there in external relationships, in external satisfaction, in external wage, in external experiences. And we're missing the point that true joy is something that comes from within. Now in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, Paul talks about this glorious mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, so many people, and, and maybe as I teach this tonight, you're sitting there thinking, this is me. This is me that you're describing tonight. So many people are missing out on real joy because they're looking for something out there when actually all along is something that the Spirit has placed in here. Now, into that thought, we read John chapter 15. Just turn your Bibles there for a moment. John chapter 15, verse 10. I want to read these words from Jesus. And he says this, If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in his love. I have told you these things, now listen to this, that my joy and my delight may be in you, and that your joy and your gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. So let's just pause there and pick up on some thoughts there. Here is Jesus and he says, his joy can be in us to a place where we're a full measure, complete and actually overflowing. In other words, that we can have an influence on people around us. Remember what we talked about last week about the love of God being in us and displayed through us. Here is Jesus saying his joy. And the word that is used there is the word kara. And that's the exact same word that's used in Galatians chapter 5 when talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, kara. Jesus says his joy can be in us to a place where it's complete and overflowing from our lives. So think of it this way. Think of a, a glass and, you know, and a jug. And this isn't a perfect illustration, but maybe it will colour in a little bit what Jesus is saying in this moment. And maybe I should have actually had a jug and, and made this messy in this moment. But just stick with me. There's so many people who are like this glass. They're, they're empty. They're void. They're trying to pursue happiness in career and wealth and relationships and and all manner of different things. They're trying to pursue happiness. And yet whatever they do, it's frenzied and it's a joyless grab at happiness. And they're void. And they're empty. And Jesus says, picture of a jug, that his joy can be in you. That, that he wants to fill you, not just half measure, but complete and satisfied with his joy. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop at the rim and the top of who you are. He wants it to overflow from your life so that you begin to have an impact on other people. That's why a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ who's full of joy can begin to transform a workplace, can begin to transform a street, can begin to transform a community of people just from the life 
that is flowing through them. It's not about personality type. It's not about extrovert or introvert. It's about the joy of Christ now in them, overflowing through them to the lives around them. The joy of Jesus, which is ours through the Holy Spirit, is not a temporary fake happiness that comes and goes dependent on outside circumstances. It's a permanent, eternal joy that comes from within. Now again, this is why we need to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is not produced in our own strength. Otherwise, we'll be trying to be more joyful, trying to be cheerful. When listen, actually, joy is bigger than that. Joy is bigger than your outward circumstances. In fact, write this down. Outside circumstances cannot determine my inner joy. Outside circumstances cannot determine my inner joy. If you're talking about the real joy, the fruit of the Spirit, oh, happiness can come and go, but the real joy of Christ in you, the hope of glory, cannot be determined by outward circumstances. Now, this understanding helps us to make sense of certain scriptures that we read. Because sometimes maybe you read the Bible, maybe you're new to the Bible, you don't fully understand how people can have joy in, in dangerous and crazy moments. Or maybe um, you look at the Bible and you've read the Bible often and you just think, well, they had an easier life back then. They didn't have the pressures that we have in 2020. They'd write differently if they were writing it in this generation. But I, I believe there's more to it that we're going to see tonight. Because maybe you read some passages and you think, why are they so happy? You read some stuff that's going on in the Bible. You think, why are they so happy? Could it be that they're not necessarily happy, but they're actually full of God's joy? And there's a difference as we are starting to understand tonight. You know, when you read the Psalms, you read Psalms that are full of joy and people saying, come on, rejoice, be glad in the Lord. All these kind of verses that come from the Psalms. But if you know the backdrop to some of those Psalms uh, and the Psalmists who were writing those stories, you know that they weren't in the greatest moments of their life. You know that they weren't necessarily happy. There may not have been a lot of laughter in their life, but joy remained because they knew who their God was. Now, here's the thing. Those Psalmists knew the presence of God with them but we have something far greater than that in the person of the Holy Spirit. We, we have a greater advantage than those who wrote the Psalms. We have the presence of God in us, not just with us, through the person of the Holy Spirit. God's joy is now in us. And so Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Now, this is somebody who knew what he was talking about. This was somebody who understood joy and not because his life was amazing not because he had everything that he needed or wanted materialistically not because everybody loved him and so on and so on no his joy Paul's joy was not determined by the external things of life you say how do you know that read the bible this was a guy who was hated for the gospel this was a guy who was beaten with rods continually this was a guy who was hunted down by people in Acts chapter 14 he was stoned with rocks and left for dead there were times where he clearly wasn't happy there were times where the pressure of life was getting on top of him listen to this scripture talks about this 2 corinthians 1 verse 8 so i want you to understand the backdrop of paul's life it says this brothers and sisters you need to know about the severe trials we experienced when we were in western turkey all of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure and we were so completely overwhelmed 
but we were about to give up entirely. That's somebody who's not having the best of days externally, right? I think we can agree with that. And there were times, many times, where Paul ended up in prison. Now, the prison system of the day was not a good place to be, and that's somewhat of an understatement. That's putting it mildly, because before you were put into prison, you were beaten. You were publicly flogged. You were stripped naked and, and beaten. It was a public humiliation. And these wounds... They wouldn't look after you. They wouldn't fix up these wounds. They would throw you in prison with these wounds. It was freezing cold conditions. You were left in these stocks in the middle of winter. That's why in his final imprisonment in 1 Timothy 4, it's recorded that Paul asked Timothy to fetch him his cloak. Why? Because of the freezing conditions. I'm saying all this so that you would understand the backdrop into which Paul writes, because sometimes we can read the writings of Paul and, and it's full of joy and we think, oh, he just had an easy life. No, he didn't. Everything about his life externally was not what we would choose to live in. And yet he is somebody who understood this, that outside circumstances cannot determine his inner joy. Happiness will come and go, but the fruit of the spirit that is joy cannot be removed cannot be shaken and so we come to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi and I want to focus in on this for a moment because here is Paul he's under house arrest which more than likely meant that even if people could come and visit him he certainly couldn't go out and do what God had called him to do he's in a place where he knows the calling of God upon his life and yet he's stuck likelihood is he's chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day. He's in stocks. And here he is where he knows the call of God upon his life is to go and preach the message of the gospel and reach the Gentiles, to make disciples, to plant churches. And here he is in this moment where he doesn't know when his trial would come. In those days, trials could be put off for years and all the time you'd have to sit in prison and wait. So this could have been his lot for many years. This could have been his lot for the rest of his life, this huge social stigma of being in prison. And so everything about his life externally wouldn't have caused Paul to feel happy or feel optimistic. And yet what's the overriding theme of the book of Philippians? Joy. In fact, that word joy or something similar to joy that carries the same meaning is mentioned over 16 times in one short letter. Let's look at a few examples together. Philippians 1 verse 4, Paul writes to the church, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Here he is in a moment that isn't funny. Here he is in a moment that is bringing him pain. And yet he's writing to his fellow believers saying, when I pray for you, I am full of joy. Philippians 1 verse 17 to 18, he writes about people who are preaching the gospel for incorrect reasons. And he says this, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Philippians 2 verse 17 to 18. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it all out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice. 
and I will share your joy. Philippians 3 verse 1, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. What a great verse to speak over our lives and to have as our life mantra over the next six months as people say, it's a long, hard winter and whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4 verse 4, Paul writes, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. The Passion Translation puts it this way, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let joy overflow. Not because everything is perfect, not because everything is going right, but let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Paul made all these statements in the midst of that terrible backdrop that we just spoke about. He persevered in prison, not by denying his suffering and not even by embracing his suffering, but by remaining in a place of joy and finding reasons to have joy, even in the midst of his suffering. Because he knew that joy doesn't come as a result of outward circumstances, whether everything is in line in your life. It's not about that. It is the Holy Spirit that produces joy from within. So what about you watching tonight? What about you listening to me later on in the week? Where are you in your understanding of joy and what it is to live in the fullness of joy? Because in this life, we can end up in our very own prison cells. Maybe not a prison cell like Paul experienced, it's a physical one, but you may be in a prison cell of loneliness tonight. You may be in a prison cell of ill health. You may be in the prison cell of confusion. You may be in the prison cell of self-loathing. You may be in the prison cell of, of fear. You may be in a place that is not funny right now. Maybe you're in a loveless marriage. Maybe you're experiencing unemployment or debt or addiction. Maybe you just make bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. The question is this tonight. What's our reaction going to be? when the external things of life are not good? I believe that's a timely question because we've all, to one degree or another, been affected by this thing that's landed upon the earth called COVID. We've all been affected to one degree or another. What's our response going to be? And what Paul teaches us is this, that you don't have to wait for circumstances to change in order to have joy. You don't have to wait for the prison bars to be open to have joy. You don't have to wait another six months till the spring because the Spirit of God is in you so that you can have joy and be complete with His joy and overflowing with His joy. See, when he wrote to the church in Philippians and the church in Philippi, and if you've never read the book of Philippians, I'd encourage you to do so. That wasn't the only time Paul ended up in a prison cell, we know there were other moments. Think of Acts chapter 16 when he was in that prison cell with Silas. Again, just for preaching the gospel message, he'd done nothing wrong. And yet here he is beaten, put in stocks, in pain. And yet he said, I'm not going to allow this moment to determine my joy. And so what do they begin to do? They begin to sing praises to God. And we know the story, God inhabits the praises of his people and joy sets them free. 
I believe tonight that some of you are in a place of bondage, some of you are in a place that feels like prison-like, and I'm telling you tonight that you can still have joy. Listen, for Paul in that moment, it wasn't something that made him happy. It wasn't something that maybe probably caused him to laugh, and yet there was joy within that sealed his breakthrough. There was joy within that set him free. I don't believe that he was probably happy, but he was joyful. Paul probably didn't understand, but he trusted. Paul was probably in pain, but he determined that God had a purpose. Because even in the trial, even in the pain, you can still have hope and there can still be joy. Listen, the devil can try and steal from your life, but he cannot steal joy because joy is eternal. Happiness is temporary. He'll steal your happiness and you'll be like this up and down on an emotional roller coaster, but he cannot steal the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. The arrival of trouble does not have to signal the departure of joy. Write that down tonight if you're taking notes. The arrival of trouble doesn't have to signal the departure of joy. Stop waiting for a moment out there in your future to be happy and decide right now to live in joy. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll end with this. Verse 5 to 6 from the message paraphrase. It says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. That's what the world is trying to do. If I just get this, then I'll be happy. If I just get that, then I'll be happy. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you already have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk away. I'll never leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Jesus said, my joy and my delight is in you. And because of that, you don't need to be void. You don't need to be empty. You can be full to the brim. And better than that, you can be overflowing to make a difference to the world around you. Because do you know what? When you are in a place of so much joy, irrespective of what's going on, when you say, I'm quitting this race of trying the, to get the pursuit of happiness, I'm not living for the frenzied joy of, of joyless grabs of happiness anymore. I'm living out of the joy of God that is now within me. Suddenly people begin to ask questions. What's different about that person? What's, you know, just like when somebody loses weight or uh, when somebody suddenly becomes successful, everybody asks, what's the secret? Listen, everybody is looking for the secret called joy. And yet they're substituting it for a really bad substitute called happiness. They're trying to find happiness in these things that we've gone over tonight. Alcohol, drugs, sex, money, jobs, career. Listen, I want to be in a place where we are a church that is full of the joy of the Lord. Because it's not only contagious, it's magnetic. It draws people who begin to ask their own questions. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to quit looking for happiness, which is going to be determined by the external things of life. And we started to realise that there is a joy within that cannot be shaken, that will keep you strong. Listen, you can be going through the hardest of times, and you may not be finding it funny, but you can still have joy. You may not see a whole load of reason for happiness, but you can still have joy. And the Bible declares that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I know I've been through seasons 
It didn't cause me to laugh. Yet I remained strong because I had the joy of the Lord. I just want to pray for you as we finish off tonight. And I just want to encourage you to posture yourself ready for God's joy in your life. Maybe you're in a place right now as we've done this study and you say, do you know what? I realise that I keep putting off true joy because I'm looking for happiness somewhere out there in the future. And I want to pray for each of you tonight watching this broadcast. Maybe you're watching this later on, you're listening to it, I don't know, on a, on a journey to work or you're listening to it in your back garden or wherever it might be. But whenever and wherever you're listening to this broadcast, I want to encourage you now, just, just close your eyes and get ready to receive from God. And I want to pray for you this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your joy that the Bible declares can be ours through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that right now people would be in a place where they begin to receive your joy. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen them? Not through me and my voice and me doing anything, but Holy Spirit, you reaching into their lives right now. Holy Spirit, renew hope in people tonight. Holy Spirit, give joy where there is despair. Father, thank you. Thank you for your joy that causes us to be strong. Thank you for your joy that causes us to have the ability to remain firm in faith in all circumstances. Father, thank you for the example of Paul that we've read through tonight. Whether they locked him up, whether they flogged him, whatever they did to him, his joy, because it was your joy in him, was not removed. Right now, just receive God's joy in your life. I'm not going to scream or shout at the phone tonight, but just receive the joy of God. And I want to encourage you this week, here's your homework. Say, oh no, not more Sunday night local homework. Here's your homework. Find time in your day. You say, well, I'm busy, I've got kids, I'm working. No, no, find time, whether it's early in the morning, late at night, if you're retired or you have time, just do it throughout the day, whatever it might be. And have some time just to receive from the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's going to renew your strength through his joy. Hey, Family Church, listen. This is a season of joy. Just as I close tonight, I want to encourage you with this. Don't let the media determine your joy level. Don't let the papers determine your perspective of the weeks and months that are lying ahead. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I love you, Family Church Haven, praying for you. And we'll see you back here next Sunday evening for an opportunity to study the Word of God together. God bless you.